Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR. IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda, Steve Zotke, Jeff Rolowski. Final race weekend of the year for NASCAR at Homestead. A lot of stuff happening there. Plus, we do have Formula One in Brazil. But uh, and after this, we got three more shows. Just wanted to let the listeners know. Yeah, we're, we're actually going to extend yet. it out. Uh, we have uh, two more shows in November and then have a final show uh, the year on the seventh, and what we're gonna do? We're gonna have some fun things. We're gonna talk. Obviously, we like uh, extending it out the additional year. With this, in the past, was usually the final show, and uh, you know we make our predictions, and that was it. We're done, out the door. Yeah. <laughs> and then we wouldn't talk to you until Daytona. And then uh, I think it was about two years ago. I think we changed it. We added that the post post season show. I guess if you want to call it, or just. You know, the wrap-up show. Right. You know, after Homestead, the week after. Uh, originally, there was a few times because of the way the calendar uh, laid out that that was usually Thanksgiving weekend several times, especially uh, as my uh, role in the show grew over the, the uh, last few years. And so Sparky and I kind of decided, now, I mean, Thanksgiving weekend's not the best. But what now with podcasting and everything in that, people, you know, not only listen to us live now, but they could be listening to us, you know, next week, who knows, in January, we don't know. But we appreciate you uh, tuning in live and also uh, uploading us. We have a lot of listeners uh, down south in Indiana, Illinois. I get feedback from people. They, they, they love the show. So, you know, we thought let's extend it out that extra week. And now this uh, because of my travel schedule and some stuff going on. And also just, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of things going on. It kind of gives us the ability to kind of expand the show a little bit. So, uh, we have a couple of interesting, uh, there's a racing movie out Ford versus Ferrari. That's out, which we're going to talk briefly about today, but, uh, I'm going to be seeing that in the last, next couple of weeks. And I'm one of the things I'm thinking on thinking of is maybe bringing a few people possibly in studio, and kind of doing a review and talking about that, one of the most popular and most interesting times of auto racing uh, with Ford's, Ford's involvement at Le Mans uh, against Ferrari in the 60s. We might be doing something there. I'm going to be doing some traveling. I've been working on that USAC book, uh, USAC stock car book, and talking, uh, taking interviews, and I'm going to be doing an interview when I'm out down south 
on the southwest, I should say, and uh, we might be doing something there so that I might be able to air on the 7th. We'll see. But, yeah, I thought, you know, let's let's extend out. We got content. Why not, you know, get it out to the people? So Lots looking forward to that. Lots of to talk about after this week. Jeff, and, uh... Jeff is still excited and doing the show. Uh, so uh, I'm like, yeah, let's do it then. Yeah, yeah. It's Usually a great by now, idea. this time of the year, you know, he's, you know, the drinking increase, he's <laughs> sleeping more on the job and that, but not this year. So been pleasantly surprised. So we're going to go, you know, all, all in. Yeah, yep. Yeah, lots of good stuff still to go, but uh, finale week at Homestead now. Well, not only that, and plus we got the Badgers. I always get a kick out of this game the Badgers and Nebraska with the Cornhuskers because yeah. it's a fun it's a fun game to watch with people who don't really watch a lot of football and aren't familiar with the teams because it really confuses the heck out of them. Because oh, yeah. the uniforms are basically the same. <laughs> oh, I know. There's been about five times I, I got to keep reminding myself, oh, okay, the Badgers are in white today. You know, uh, you got to look at the helmet. and you It's know. even worse if they go white, white, you know, red on white and red and white on red. You know, if, they're, if they just do the white jerseys, Red pants, red red jerseys, white pants. It's even worse. This it's not as bad today because one is one team's in all white, right. so that kind of helps. But I, I get a kick out of that with uh, you know some of the you know, and then that happens with other other teams too. Sometimes if, sometimes if uh, like an Arkansas game, Arkansas uh, with their colors and then there's a few others in it where where you you know if you're not really paying hard hard attention, you're at a bar or something. It's really easy to get mixed up. But this is one of those games that it happens to. Yeah. That's why I love it when, uh, you know, when they did it last year. Finally, well, you know that harkens back to TV, right? With the white, and but it's so funny that they still do this because it was because of black and white. Right. You had a hard time seeing the, the colors, so they went with a, a white team and a dark team, basically. So I, you know, when when you when USC and UCLA got the approval to wear their both their homes, you know, home colors. Which are iconic, you know? They got they have one of the more iconic uniforms in college football with UCLA with the green, I mean with the uh, blue and gold, and USC with the uh, burgundy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent of America didn't care because everything's in high def now. Right. And they were like, "Whoa, this is really big," because you know, it's like, no, yeah, it is. I guess it is, but it really in the big, you know, big picture, it really isn't. Well. Uh, Wisconsin's got a three-point lead here late in the first half. They just picked off Nebraska, and then uh, Jonathan Taylor just ran, uh, clicked off a nice run. It looked like he just stepped out of bounds about the eight- or nine-yard line. So the Badgers are driving to uh, to get further ahead now, but a uh, good start for them in Nebraska. Yeah, and, uh, of course, uh, we mentioned this before. It is championship weekend in Homestead, and this is always a, a pretty neat weekend because you have all three – of the major of uh, the major divisions going, you have the trucks, Xfinity, and then the Cup for the big finale. And one thing I never understood though, last night we had the trucks. We're gonna we're gonna circle back to that in just a moment. Though with the Xfinity series, wouldn't you think they would have schedule it a little bit later? Yeah, you would think. Uh, you know, put it uh, Saturday night or you know something like that under or the me, lights. Even yeah, even. Even a little bit later, maybe fin- you know, starting the day, kind of twilight type thing, you know, yeah. finish it later in the day because where it is now, it's just a regular afternoon race, and it kind of, I, I think at least, it kind of loses that little bit of panache when you do that. What do you think? 
It does, but does the Xfinity Series have any panache to begin with is uh, is a better question. This is, this is true. You know, so, yeah, it's a little silly. I, You know, a lot of people were complaining on Twitter last night because there was weather down in Miami yesterday. It was raining. Uh, cup qualifying got canceled, everything like that. There was questions. Which is ridiculous. It is. It is. You mean they couldn't qualify today? Right. I mean, is there so... Is there so much? There's so many divisions because the hobby stocks have to go today, or the bombers division. I mean, what? <laughs> nothing happened on track until right until qualifying. That's such here a load of crap. At 11:45 uh, Central Time, so there were tons of time. Oh yeah, that they could have sat there and ran Cup qualifying, and uh, and they just didn't want to do it. A lot of people were complaining because they uh, they had the, they started the race so late last night. For me, it was phenomenal because it was I, great. Yeah, I was out of town. I forgot to record it, and then uh, my kids had swimming practice, and then we go out to dinner, which was, the service was god awful. It was a two-hour dinner. It was horrible. Uh, I got home and I only missed like twenty laps. Yeah, so it was perfect. So I, I was happy. No, I didn't. What you're gonna run it today at ten? Yeah, they were gonna the, run it at like nine a.m. No, no, no. You I know. don't. They're idiots. Whoever said that? Really, they're either 180 years old and it's past their bedtime, and they're one of these people that get up at uh, like five a.m. Then. Well, you know, but leave it to NASCAR. I'm surprised that they stuck around right. and did it last night. So well, they actually TV, got it right. TV probably had a, a, a little bit to say about that. Well, I hope so because it was a lot better uh, being run at night. But uh, Well, it's a good thing we have this playoff system, oh, yeah. Jeff, because this in- ensures that, uh, you know, t- that, that drivers that win races will win these championships. Puts a premium on winning. Yes. Win and get in. We won't see Matt Kenseth again like what happened in uh, 20, 2003. We're only going to see guys at peak. It's going to be winners only in championships. Yeah. So who won the, who won the uh, Truck Series championship last night? The winner is? Oh, that was Matt Crafton last night. Oh, how many night? races did he win this year? Matt Crafton won zero races this season. Ooh. Oh. Uh, in fact, Matt Crafton in the Truck Series this mm. year, he ranked 16th in laps led. And he was seventh in top five finishes. Oh boy! With no wins, however, because he finished second last night, uh, he won the title. Oh, fantastic! So that made everybody feel good. I bet in the garage. Well, you know, they asked Matt Crafton about it, and he goes, "I'm going to sleep well all winter next to the trophy." So. Mm-hmm. You know, good for him. I was rooting for Matt Crafton. You know, being an old guy myself, I always root for the old guys. Um, but uh, you know, maybe, and you know, obviously, this is giving NASCAR a lot of credit here. But maybe this is the kick in the tail that NASCAR needs to do a little common sense tweaking of the rules here, because you know, I'm sorry, but Matt Crafton is not a legitimate champion. Uh oh! Uh oh! You heard it here on the fan. He is it's, not it's been a said. deserving champion this season <laughs> in the Truck Series, and that pains me to say because, like I said, I've rooted for Crafton for years. I think it's phenomenal for him. I think it's great for his sponsor, Menards, which has done so much in auto racing, both for Paul Menard, who's been on our show, and uh, and a metalhead, and we root for Paul Menard. But also for, you know, the Wisconsin company and all that. And Menards took over. Now they sponsor, uh, it's now the Menards Arca Series. 
all that. So, you know, it's it's phenomenal for them because they're continuing to pour money into racing. So there's a lot of good stories to come out. However, you know, give me a break. Okay, so who finished second in the uh, truck championship? Well, that would be Ross Chastain, okay? and uh, one, one, one eye hunting and one eye fishing. And he has uh, three race wins this year, and and that's phenomenal. And and good job and congratulations to Ross. Uh, that's great. Did you know that Ross Chastain did not even declare himself eligible for the Truck Series title until about a third of the way through the season? Ooh. So you've got a guy who was eligible to win the title for about two-thirds of the year who finishes second, and you have a driver who won not one single race who wins the title. And uh, and that's how the season ends in the Truck Series. And, you know, I, I hate to bash the Truck Series because I love it. You know, we talk. Yeah, we, we, we usually talk say, so and it's, it's for, for many, many years, we've always said usually of all three uh, series, the truck race is usually the best of the weekend. That race last night was horrible. That was hard to watch. I I watched. I I made it through until like about ten laps into the final stage, and then I fell asleep. And well, then I woke I, back up. You know, to be honest, I, I I have a recliner. I made sure I didn't put my feet up because I know if I would have done that, it would have been over. Oh, it was awful. That race last night was just so obnoxiously boring. But um, and and of course, well, at least we have scintillating commentator. Oh, wait a second. No, ye- no, we don't. No, no, Michael Waltrip. Did he no. say anything last night that you said? Huh? I didn't know that. No, zero. He said the most common sense, stupid things over and over and over again. Um, you know, Michael Waltrip is one of those guys where. His personality, you know, he seems like a good dude. Everybody says he's a good guy. He's well, there's always two happy. Michael Waltrips. He's always upbeat. So you want to root for him, but have you ever learned anything from Michael Waltrip? You can. There's been, and there's been a couple of times, even this year, I, I said, good job, Michael. You need to bring more of that. And and I I wish, I, you know, it's one of those things I wish I would have wrote it down. And then it was really, really interesting stuff. And I said, that's what he needs to do. If I'm the producer... I'm saying I'm in his ear going, Michael, that's good stuff. Keep let's do more of that. Because when you when you see, you know, the, the documentary and, and some other stuff he's done, or you see him on podcasts and that, that Michael Waltrip's okay. You know, and, and we've been very, very critical of Michael Waltrip on this show. But that that Michael Waltrip is the one we want to see. We want to see the, the 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 not the filtered uh you know, personification the character, shtick. the yeah. shtick guy. No, bring the genuine article, and I think you go a lot farther. You know, I just this this. Uh, yeah, between the the, the corporate, he's trying. I understand. I, I we, and we we talked about this ad nauseum about you know what they have, what they can say, and what they can't say, NASCAR broadcast this, that, and the other thing. But it's like, don't worry, don't be so worried about that. Just just you're fine. I mean. Like I said, I want the other Michael Waltrip. I want the unfiltered Michael Waltrip, the guy who's just like you and I talking. 
you know, none of this, you know, well, you know, boy, he's really working at those Goodyear tires. Oh, boy. And don't doesn't Goodyear do a great job. And, uh, you know, and the Snoko fuel that they put out, uh, we're, we're just real appreciate our Snoko fuel and it, blah, 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 blah. You know, just enough of that, okay? Well, that's why I think that Kenny Wallace uh, relates so well to NASCAR Nation and to Racing Nation. Oh, and he got tired he, of it, though. Oh, I, I know. I he think got they've tired been trying of the to, corporate right. thing. He said, well, it was travel, and I understand that, too. It, it is a grueling, grueling season that they're that And they, he loves the it's dirt. 100, it's 100, you get 100, not even 100 days off. Right. You know, between the, the last race and the, next, the, fall, the race next year. And, and you know, it, it is, and for the media guys, I mean, for, for those who who follow the series, it, you're all, your off days are basically Monday, Tuesday. Right. Or Tuesday, Wednesday, depending on your travel, when you have to be at the track. That's not fun. And one of those days that you have off is a true laundry day. Yeah. <laughs> because you're basically got to do all your laundry. Yeah, laundry and then packing for the next trip. Right. So, you know, it, it is it is a hell of a schedule and all that. And uh, But, you know, Kenny Wallace is relatable to... The average blue-collar NASCAR fan. He's relatable to me. He's not, you know, he's not uptight corporate. He, uh, you know, he's he's a real guy. And he's one dude where if I walked into a bar, if I'm at a race in, at Talladega or if I'm at a race, you know, anywhere, and I see him at a bar, I'm going to belly up as quick as I can next to him just to just to shoot the bull for a few hours because you know that not only are you going to learn a lot you're going to be phenomenally entertained because he's got such a great personality as well um so you get guys that are real like Kenny and then you get guys like Waltrip and you know um unfortunately Kenny you know took the step away because of the travel or or whatever it was and uh and so far Waltrip hasn't but uh you know, like you said, hopefully one of these days we get the real Michael Waltrip back. Well, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, I want to talk about the race last night on Homestead, the truck, truck series race, and uh, shenanigans involved with that. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Dennis Michelson. We'll talk uh, Cup Series uh, with, with uh, Dennis and also some Xfinity and Silly Season news. Also, at the top of the hour, the second hour, uh, we're going to talk to David Land from YouTube and get – caught up with him he actually did see uh, uh ford versus ferrari in the theater i want to get his feedback on that and also some silly season stuff going into the world of road racing and indycar and then uh we got uh, eddie lapine coming too he's at daytona right now for the historic uh sports car race at daytona pretty cool deal there with uh, a lot of historic drivers themselves and historic cars is that going to be the next movie, Eddie versus Daytona? Eddie versus Daytona. <laughs> I think we'll pitch it in the second hour. So uh, tune in. We'll have more of the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Obzonda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan.
And welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with David Hobbs Honda. Ross Chastain. Yeah. Remember last year? He kind of got screwed on that DC Solar and the Chip Ganassi ride and all that. And, oh sure my did. God, I don't know where he's going to get a ride. I don't know what I'm going to do. Worked 77 well races, NASCAR races he drove in across all three series. Yeah. This year. Not bad. That's the busy boy. You want to talk about valuable seat time. Yeah. And uh, not only. I, you know, I wonder if Marco Andretti's driven 77 races in his life. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a hell of a year. Oh, actually, he has. but uh, Of course. But, uh, you know, for Ross, you know, you what a phenomenal learning experience. And, uh, you know, hopefully. Hopefully it wasn't too much too soon. You know, hopefully he's able to sit there and process all the different tracks and all that kind of stuff instead of bouncing around like a ping pong ball. And maybe realize that once in a while you can, you can actually drive around the car. Yeah. And pass it. Well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, these kids nowadays. Gotta love it. So, no wins. No for wins for Matt Craft. 23 starts, three stage. Well, you got three stage wins. Is that championship material? Oh, no. Yeah. So no wins, three stage wins. Yeah. And you got 11 playoff points, wherever that's worth. Oh, not much. So if you want to look at the truck series, you know who led the truck series and wins this year? Uh, would it be Kyle Busch? Correct. With five. Yeah. Next was Brett Moffat. Guy won it last year, lost his ride. Yeah. And then puts four wins so together this four, season. For the for the right I'm doing air quotes right now. Regular series driver. Uh-huh. For the twenty four car. And then we have Ross Chastain, the aforementioned Ross Chastain. Oh no, wait, I forgot one. Austin Hill. He had himself one hell of a season. Considering he's season. probably running at about a 75-pound weight uh, disadvantage, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's a big boy there. And he, he picked up the nice win uh, last night and uh, and all that. You know, easy guy to root for. Easy guy to root for, uh, Austin He kind of got and, – and, he, and he's the reason why Crafton got in. It just be, The way kind of things laid out for him, he, you know, you stumble with these – with these rounds and this is what happens but this is what happens when you strive to be a i hate using this term i hate using this term stick and ball sport yeah now you want to drive yourself nuts and i i've and i apologize in advance to our listeners too nuts er okay crazier <laughs> uh just especially during the well usually they do it worse than post race how many how many times they try to draw parallels to football, baseball, and basketball? Yeah, well, if it was and a drinking playoffs. game by the second driver, you'd be puking your brains out. <laughs> and it's like, it's just it's auto racing. Yeah. It's okay to like auto racing as auto racing. Stop emulating stick in ball sports. There are some people who don't like stick and ball sports. Those are some. There are people who like auto racing. 
Well, next year, NASCAR has mandated that every steering wheel look like a baseball. <laughs> you <just have> to... <laughs> or you could get the football shaped, whatever you're more comfortable with. I would go with, with the football shape. But, uh, but yeah, that, uh, that's going to be mandated from NASCAR next year. Last year, I, I was watching, I mean, last week I was watching uh, after Phoenix, and they're going, well, uh, you know, and they're hitting their stride, and it's kind of like, you know, when you're in the field of 64, anything can happen, this and that. And I'm like, yep, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Bust out the whiskey. But, okay, Rosh Chastain, three wins. Uh, Stuart Friesen, who uh, who's really come together, uh, is looking good uh, with two wins. Single wins, Johnny Sauter, Tyler An- uh, Ankrum, who's surprised, who looks like he's about 12 years old. Todd Gilliland, who is a guy, I think, I think Todd Gilliland, if he would slow down, he'd go faster. Yeah, probably. And if there's a guy who, uh, you know, I don't know his dad, I'm sure his dad's talking to him, but that's a guy who seems he's trying so hard. You know, they, 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 they all say it's, it's easier to slow a guy down than to speed him up. And I think that's the case with him. He, he just seems so limited in patience and would just kind of, and you know, maybe I'm not sure if it's his dad who is his spotter or maybe get a spotter in there that can kind of talk him down. Like, just settle down. You got this? Because he, he really seems to get himself in a lot of bad positions. It just seems like he's hell-bent on passing his father as quick as possible. You know, kind of get that monkey off his back that, you know, like you said, he puts himself himself in bad spots. And, uh, you know, he's just got to get over that. He doesn't have a whole lot have to do to pass uh his dad in in the cup series or you know in nascar so uh, he should just let it be and 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 just get it done uh and then let's not forget spencer boyd who also had a race win this year congratulations spencer it's interesting the way this is set up Brad crafton with zero wins the next guy driver with zero wins is seventh you got to go all the way down to seventh place with Grant Infinger, who seemed to be always there. And you know, Mr. If there's this guy, Mr. Third through sixth place in the truck series, it's Grant Infinger. Yeah, you know, there were so many races this season where, you know, you're down to 10, 15 laps to go, and it's like, is he fired? No, he's not going to do it this week. Is he going to? Not this week either. And, uh, you know, disappointing for, for him, but, uh, you know, still a, a decent year. And then we have Joe Nemechek. Joe Nemechek and then and, and his son, John. Uh, oh, and I just lost my little note here. Oh, my gosh. Joe Nemechek, he's the, the truck out there with the handicap sticker oh. on uh, on the back. Oh, you're just awful. <laughs> Such a nice guy. Tell you know, me I'm not wrong. When they were they were here for a late model race with his kid John Hunter and I got to spend a little time with them, good good guys. Just, I mean, real racing. I mean, they these are guys that are twenty four seven racing. Right. And jo, Joe's a good guy, front row Joe. Uh he made start number eleven hundred eighty sixth. Uh, let's see here for national starts, really. So Joe Nemechek set a NASCAR record for national starts 
on Friday when he took the green flag for the NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series Echo Boost 200 at Homestead. Nemechek made start number 1186, his 69th in the Truck Series, driving number only a 69th. Does that seem low? That does seem low. I know he came in through the Bush Series. He only had 13 starts this year in the truck series. But, I mean, just overall because, it, well, I guess maybe it is because uh, he kind of started that truck series for his kid. So, yeah, he came in. I think he came, I want to say he came in about 1990 into the Bush series, won the championship in 92 in the that yellow, what the heck was that? It was uh, barbecue sauce, Texas, Texas Pete maybe. Texas Pete barbecue sauce, maybe if I'm right. Anyways, uh, 1,186 starts. Wow. I'm just so grateful to NASCAR for the opportunity. I'm still able to do this. Uh, I got calls from some of these teams saying to come and help them evaluate where we are. And that he would be, seem, yeah, he seems like a guy, if you're starting a team, they're putting some, something together, or you're a young team, you're kind of struggling, who who better than Joe Nemechek just to kind of get, you know, what are you guys doing here, you know, what how you guys can better expedite and getting better results. I mean, you know, and I always went around with Tim Allen on this when we would have Tim Allen on the show, and he was like, Joe Nemechek, to, uh, you know, I said, you have to understand Joe and, and the situation. You know, Joe was a – I would never consider Joe an excellent top-of-the-line race car driver, but Joe was a C-plus, B-minus driver who could deliver results. And if you needed him to do a lap – he could set up a car and put down a damn good lap. That's why they called him Front Row Joe. Because there were so many times he won a lot of pole positions, especially in the Cup Series, or it was second quick. So Joe was was a very talented driver, and then as he got older, he started his own team and migrated. And, and, and a lot of times, I think he only has two or three full-time guys, if that. He does a lot of the work himself, and then he picks up volunteer guys at the track. And for what he's able to do and basically bring John Hunter uh, into a situation where at least now for the rest, you know, he was able to at least get some cup starts at, at the end of this year and get some, you know, get a part, part-time part ride in Xfinity Series. He's gotten, you know, the, the guy gets a lot of bang for his buck, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So for 1,100 NASCAR starts and uh, Joe for Joe Nemechek, congratulations. And Joe, uh, just I'll sum it up this way. Joe Nemechek is one of the good guys in racing, a very aff- affable guy, uh, and just he, he is the kind of quint- quintessential uh, NASCAR garage guy. Just tr- you know, there you know you heard of Jim Rats. He's I guess you could call him a pit rat. Guy's always in the pits, always working on his car. Yeah, you know, like you said, I think Joe would be great. If I was starting uh, Pipe Bomb Racing tomorrow, I would have Joe walk through the shop and, you know, give his opinions on what I can do to improve things around there. Um, You know, maybe look at, like, how we go about a week-in, week-out basis Mm -hmm. uh, at the track. As far as putting him in a car, you know, between a handicap sticker and a Florida license plate, <laughs> there is no way that I'm letting 98-year-old Joe Nemechek drive my car. But, you know, the knowledge that he has in racing and all series and everything like that is is truly phenomenal. And like you said, you know, he's 24-7 racing, and I got to give him a ton of credit for that.
All right, very good. Uh, let's take a quick break, and it doesn't look like they are racing at Great Lakes Dragway today. So, No? No, they didn't plow the drag strip. Why not? Uh, they should have. Come on, Roy! <laughs> In fact, we'll try and have Roy on, uh, too, before the end of the year. So, Roy Henning, if you're listening, uh, you'll be getting a text from us to come on the show and just want to kind of do a year in re- year in review at Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Let's take a quick break. We'll get Dennis Michelson on the horn here, and we'll talk. Uh, we'll do a cup preview of Homestead coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now. Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline it is Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media. How are you doing, Dennis? I am doing well, and you guys are rocking it again today. Well, thank you. I certainly appreciate that. And truck race uh, last night, we got Xfinity Series today. Christopher Bell is going to win that going away, so need we've covered that. Now let's move on to the Cup Series. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's intriguing. Are you... Uh, it was it was actually compelling last weekend, with you know is Dennis or is uh, Denny Hamlin going to make it? Is it going to be Joey Logano? And of course, you know I was in my uh, ABL sweatshirt. You know anybody but Logano, so I was cheering on. It was odd cheering for Denny Hamlin, but uh, has has Denny Hamlin kind of uh, uh, erased uh, twenty ten at all from this with his uh, performance last week? Well, one would hope so, but we've seen Denny Hamlin find ways to, you know, manage to, to wrestle victory from the jaws of de- or defeat from the jaws of victory in the past. And so he might go out there and just wreck on lap one to get it out of the way here at Homestead. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, it's. You know, I, I was I was kind of happy for him. I I felt, and like I said, I I am biased. I will admit it. So, but you know, with uh, with what overall, what was your uh, opinion of the Phoenix race and and everything about it? The new setup, the new look to it, and everything else. Well, I like the old Phoenix. I know it needed to be changed because that exit off of turn what was then turned two and is now turned four, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that was dangerous back in the day. This is long before they put the dog leg in there, and then it was just a, a dog leg where there wasn't pavement down below the yellow line. And, and there was a wall that just jumped out and, and greeted you there on the outside wall. It was a very unsafe setup. They needed to change that, but making it a faster track did not make this a better track. I mean, remember all the great racing that we used to see out there when IndyCar, you know, back in the day, when that was the first race of the season. Sure. And we'd we'd see great oval racing, and we'd see, you know, some unpredictable racing. Um, And then you fast forward to the NASCAR days, and we saw a lot of great racing, you know, through the, the 
90s into the early 2000s, when they reconfigured the track the first time, I kind of think they blew it. Uh, it's not that Phoenix is a bad track now, but it's sort of like the Bristol repave. You know, Bristol, the racing's better, but the drama's worse. You know, they, what, what made Bristol Bristol is gone. The racing is better, so if you had built that track before we knew what Bristol night racing was all about back in the day, we would love this track, but since we can compare the two, we don't like it. The same thing with this Phoenix setup, and now that they flipped the front and the back stretch a couple years ago, the, the whole setup now is a better racetrack, but it's not Phoenix. It's, it's not what we came to love with the old Phoenix races. Yeah, I agree with you, Dennis. That, uh, that race last week was, uh, was a snoozer as well, and they better figure that out quick if they're going to have the finale there next season, don't you think? Well, I think the snoozer is more of an indictment for this package, this rule package. Um, I'm just not a fan. I, I understand what they're trying to do. This year was meant as a transition year. This year and next year are transition years till to the new car. And the new car is going to get more power out of the same horsepower engine. Um, because of a change in technology, the change in the way they're doing everything, and the change in the body styles and the chassis, and all these changes that are coming. So this was sort of a transitional period to get down on horsepower. But when you can almost hold it wide open through the corners on fresh tires, that's not what Phoenix was all about. And it did lead to some worse racing. The other problem that we have is, we used to see a lot of beating and banging at Phoenix. Phoenix, even though it was a mile, you know, over a mile track, raced like a short track because it was such a flat track. It it raced like the old Milwaukee mile track, you know, where you would see some guys rooting and gouging in the corners and the old eight tires corner better than four mm-hmm. series that, that made, you know, NASCAR famous. Now, the way the bodies are, and the way everything is so aero-dependent, you can't get a wrinkle on the car without affecting your overall speed. You can't touch fenders without somebody ending up with a tire rub and ending up having to pit and go two laps down. So the body styles and not having open wheel wells like they used to back in the day, and, and all of these things have contributed, but the lower horsepower on the engines, the, the getting less power to the ground has made for sort of a, a less exciting race at a track like Phoenix. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I like it myself, but I always thought it was kind of interesting where you, know, you have Talladega and Daytona where you can't cut a, under the yellow line and and <laughs> you, 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 you can – you know, you're not supposed to cheat and cut corners, but you can basically almost, it, it appears you can almost cut, you know, a quarter mile. It's not, but it just seems that way when you, when you take that shortcut at Phoenix. And I just wonder, you know, if, I, if I'm somebody, you know, I'm watching, I watch Talladega and, okay, I'm learning the sport. You can't go below the yellow line. And then let's say, you know, I don't watch another race till Phoenix and then I see this. I mean, to the to the novice fan, they must like wait, wait, what, what, 
what's going on here? Why are the rules different? You know, and I was I wondered about that. You know, is there is there a situation where well you can do it here but not here? And I understand the reasoning, safety, and all this. But is is this maybe kind of can throw off uh, new fans? Well, I don't know if it throws off new fans, but when you race down on that that dog leg section at Phoenix, it leads to more potential chaos when you have to come back up on the track. And it is such a abrupt change that the car gets upset when you drop off the pavement onto that infield. And then when you come back from the infield into the corner, so it just is leading itself to mayhem. And with technology what it is today, maybe they can just say, you know, it start enforcing track limits like they do in Formula One. I mean, maybe that's the solution. But I don't think that's affecting the racing as much as the, as the aero package and the, the horsepower right now on the engines. I just... I think we saw it with the truck series race last night. You know, NASCAR, and again, I understand what they're trying to do, and I understand the whole transition thing. But the truck races used to be the best racing of the weekend, no matter what track you were at. And NASCAR has figured out a way to ruin truck racing. And now they're trying to ruin good tracks like Phoenix. I, the race was okay. It just, again, it wasn't Phoenix like Phoenix used to be. You know, Phoenix used to be a very aggressive track in a lot of contact. And, and I guess that's what I miss more than anything else. Well, and the other thing, the you know, everybody was jumping up and down with the ratings increase at, at Kansas. But unfortunately, with uh, Phoenix, the ratings dropped to the lowest level since 2000. And, uh, uh, Basically, the ratings went from uh, five years ago on ESPN to this year. They were cut in half. Yeah, and when you compare any of these ratings increase year to year, you have to look at the absolute number. Right. And the the actual fact is the chase or the playoffs or whatever you want to call it has not worked. It has not put more eyeballs on the sport as it was intended to do. And now we've seen that the rule or the, the way they did the points here in the truck series, we got the first NASCAR, we got the first national NASCAR champion at any level, and that includes the Wheeland mod, you know, modifieds and you know the the West and the East series and the top three national series. We've never had a champion crowned in a major NASCAR series that has never won a race before. We've had champions in Cup that only won one race in the year. Terry Labonte did that. And I think Matt Kenseth did that one year as well. But we've never had a champion that has not won a race. And that, that's a bad sign, in my opinion. Because with this rule package, the way it is in all of the series, like, for instance, in Cup, you could win the first 35 races of the year and finish fourth in points. That's just absurd to me. There needs to be more than a one-race showdown. There needs to be a showdown over a set number of races, whether that race number is five or ten or whatever. There needs to be an actual points race if you're going to keep points. Otherwise, just give it to the guy that won the most races during the, the playoffs. That's, that's the only fair way to do it. 
this one race showdown just doesn't do it for me. I tell you what, let's take a quick break and we'll talk more with Dennis coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Obsonda joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Dennis Michelson. Dennis, we got some news. It's going to be Cole Custer in the 41 car next year. That is a very interesting move, and not one that I am totally shocked by. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if this kid is ready for the cup level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, he's been working at it. He's got a haircut, lost some weight, talking. <laughs> he talks real pretty to the... To the and when he does interviews now, he's all you know punctual and everything, and enunciates and this that. But he's he's come a long way. But it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Daniel Suarez is a decent driver. I don't think he's to be honest. I think he'd be a better Trans Am driver. Maybe I I don't know. I I just we'll we'll see where he ends up. Does he stay in the Cup Series? Does he? Does he go into to the Xfinity series like Daniel Hemrick, who's going to the JR Motor, you know, Junior Motorsports? So that is that remains to be seen. But uh, Homestead yeah. this week, uh, Homestead. Let, let's jump into that. The final four. Are you happy with your with the with the final four with uh, Harvick and uh, Joe Gibbs racing? Basically, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting showdown here because you know we're, you were previewing the Ford versus Ferrari uh, movie earlier. This is Ford versus Toyota. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is one against three. It's, you know, an unfair fight, but I like Harvick's chances. You know, I just, uh, I think when it comes to this style of track, I think he's got a, a really good shot at coming out on top, but he's coming in against the Denny Hamlin, who is at the peak of his game. Right now, Martin Truex Jr. just doesn't make a mistake, and Kyle Busch is overdue. You know, so you've got three guys that, that are, are right there to take him on. It'll be interesting to see if late in the race, if they help each other out, you know, if one of them's in the lead by a little ways and, and Harvick's in, say, third place, do they work together to try to make it tougher for him? You know, do they play the team rules? Do they do they try to, to team up and, and win for Toyota more than individually? I don't think so, because I don't think the three of them necessarily get along all that well. But it'll be interesting. But I like Harvick's chances as long as his pit crew can have a clean race. Yeah, well, that's always the uh, the question with Harvick. He, you know, always has a, uh, a consistent top five car week in week out most of the time and uh you know the question is does he shoot himself in the foot or not or not but you know between the top four the four guys that are running for the title that's 21 wins out of 35 races this season and uh you know i would i would definitely say that this is the most competitive top four that we've had since this um 
this format has been introduced. What do you think about that, Dennis? Oh, absolutely. The format is set up for a fluke to get in. You know, when all you have to do is win one of the races in in those last three in that round of eight to, to make it to Homestead, you can you can just barely squeak in and then get hot during the playoffs and, and get in. What we've seen this year is that the top teams, the most dominant four drivers, are in there without a question. These are the guys that from the start of the season to the end of the season, they have been the big contenders that you would not want to leave out of your pick on any given week at any given track. So the cream rose to the top, um, and, and this is partly because of the playoff points structure where they're now doing you know a carryover of points it lets the most dominant teams escape having one bad race and have them knocked out so i I applaud the format because we got the best four teams i'm still just never going to be a fan of playoffs in a racing situation because it would be like having the you know, Miami Dolphins players wander out onto the field in the Super Bowl and be able to affect a play. You know, you can have a backmarker team that can get in the way and cause a change in the championship. I agree. I've never, never been a fan of this format, never will be. But for what it is, and this year, we definitely got the four best teams in. In about 15 seconds here, Dennis, uh, did Steve call you last week after the race crying like he did on my, uh, my phone that Joey Logano did not move on to the final? Oh, he was so thankful. Um, you know, he was giving me full credit, and I don't know why, but um, but you're welcome, Steve. You're welcome. <laughs> I, did everything I, I did everything I could to keep Logano out for you. So are you, are you going to go with Harvick as your pick? I'm going to take Harvick because it's sort of going against the grain, but, uh, you know, the, the Toyota 3 should be the dominant guys, but no, nope, I'm going to take Harvick this week. Okay, I like that pick. I, it, it would be kind of, you know, it would be interesting to see, you know, three, it's, a, it's, a, it's a three against one situation if Harvick can pull this thing off. He, I, I'm sure he's. I'm sure they'd, you know, give him a uh, Ford Festiva or something in appreciation to him. <laughs> well, you know, the the no matter what, the big winner this week is Joe Gibbs. Yeah. So you own 75% of the final four. Uh, congratulations. Do, does it make it sting more, though, if he doesn't win? If uh, Gibbs doesn't, absolutely. Yeah, I think it does. Dennis, we're running against the break here. Dennis, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, the good news is we got three more shows. So uh, looking forward to chatting with you again next week. All right. All right. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis, and that was Dennis Michelson on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Going to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019. Look no further and call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. Coming up next, David Land on the Final Inspection Show. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. 
This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is David Land. David, welcome to the show, sir. Good to talk to you, Steve. It feels like we don't have uh, anything to talk about over the last couple of weeks <laughs> that we haven't talked, right? Well, I, I know you've been busy, and uh, con- congratulations on being a licensed racing driver, getting your uh, license with the uh, with a, what, an F-1600, was it? Yeah, it was an F-1600. Uh, I'm sure many of your people would know this is a Formula Ford, but it's it's got a Honda engine in it, so I feel like I should probably uh, refer to it as an F-1600. <laughs> So congratulations on that. What what track was that at? I was at Button Willow Raceway Park, which is a, out in the middle of the desert in California. Sure. Uh, really nice track, though. A lot of fun to drive uh, and a good learning track, too, because if you make a mistake, you're not, you're not going to go too far off. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah, and it, uh, it certainly has been an interesting week. And uh, just a couple of things I wanted to catch up on. Uh, one of them is the... Uh, Michael Shank news, which is certainly appreciative uh, and well-deserved, and that is, uh, uh, you know, with with them going full-time next year in IndyCar. That's an exciting prospect because if you look at the development of Jack Harvey, especially last season, I mean, he was so competitive. Oftentimes he made the the, the, uh, his teammates, quote-unquote, at Schmidt-Peterson kind of look silly because he would just show up and he would be in the Fast Six or the podium at Indianapolis uh, in the Grand Prix. Um, just, you know, really looked good. And, and you look and see what Colton Herta did um, with that package last year with Andretti Technologies. I, I'm really excited to see this team uh, get a crack at the full season. Right. And then uh, also we have a, a new American driver on the Corvette team. Yes, Jordan Taylor uh, moving over from his dad's team. Uh, so now Wayne has lost both his sons to bigger, <laughs> uh, bigger paychecks, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, that, that should be one that I think a lot of people are going to be happy with. Uh, Jordan, of course, was the, uh, was kind of the, the pitch hitter, the, the endurance driver for them for a couple of years. Um, and kind of famously had a bit of a, a choke on the last lap of Lamar, uh, when he was battling with one of the Aston Martins a couple of years ago. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun for fans of Corvette racing because they're so passionate and, and Jordan's definitely a character. That's for sure. And uh, things are moving forward too with IMSA, and, and you know it'll be quicker here than you'll realize. And that's 24 hours to Daytona, and uh, it'll be kind of cool. We're going to be able to see Scott Dixon back in a in a prototype, won't we? Yep, and that's kind of the the one of the fallout things with with Jordan going over to Corvette is that uh, Wayne kind of had to go out and find some new people to drive his car, and he went out and got um, Ryan Briscoe and Scott Dixon, as well as Kamui Kobayashi from the Toyota program for the Rolex. And, uh, yeah, Scott Dixon, I mean, uh, you put him in anything, he's, you know, the best of the best, as we know. Uh, And it's going to be fun to see him go for overall wins uh, for the first time in about four or five years, ever since they kind of had to put him in the GT car uh, for Ford's sake. Uh, Yeah, that should be some fun, I think. The only issue, though, is during breaks, Kobayashi eats all the hot dogs, you know, during his stint. So it's kind of, <laughs> kind of frustrating for the other drivers. So, but you know, with with uh, with Jack Harvey and Michael Shank racing, uh, another component of that is the is uh, their uh, alliance with Andretti, correct? With the the shocks. 
yes, it's the it's essentially the carryover for what Harding had last year with Andretti Technologies. So, um, so essentially, they're a satellite Andretti team. Of course, they were going to have a hard time staying with Schmidt, with with Schmidt having the McLaren deal with with Chevy. Um, and so, uh, you know, if you're going to have an opportunity to go full time, I think with Andretti components, I think that's absolutely your best shot to do it. Um, and again, I, I think it's a really exciting prospect going forward. And unfortunately, this happens to every young driver uh, somewhere, it seems like, in his career, and, that, and that's uh, Spencer Piggott lo- losing his r- ride, but unfortunately late, late, late in the game. And with uh, Renes VK, looks like, will be the replacement. Makes certain sense. He doesn't even have to change his number, does he? So with uh, – uh, and with and, – and let's be honest, Renes has some money behind him, and in and, and, and the case with Ed Carpenter Racing – that certainly helps any team, doesn't it? Well, it's weird because a lot of people kind of assumed since the, you know, Tony George is obviously a big part of that team. I don't think that's any secret. And, and obviously they just came into a lot of money um, that, that they wouldn't have as much problems with uh, financials as maybe they, they do. Uh, and it just seems like, you know, it certainly seems like to be obviously nothing signed yet outside of the fact that we know that Piggott is not signed. Uh it, it certainly seems like they, they chose the a paycheck. I mean, obviously, Re, I don't want to disparage Renius, obviously. I think he's right. a very talented young driver. But, but, you know, it sounded like they had committed to keeping Piggott on the team, and now suddenly they're no longer committing to Piggott on the team, which is it, it's not very uh, – it's not a good situation for Spencer to be in. Uh, it, it's all honestly kind of similar to the James Hinchcliffe thing. Yeah, it is. And, well, and the other thing, too, it's not like – Tony George has already has a big, you know, wad of cash in his 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 pocket from this transaction. There's there's regulatory issues. There's all sorts. There's lawyers involved, and and it's not like you're selling your you know seventy five Chevy to the guy down the street. It's a, it's a little more. This thing this is a one heck of a complicated transaction. And you know if you if you bought a house, if ever been uh, signing a doing a mortgage at a house, you understand how busy. Well, just times that by probably a hundred when you have a situation with uh, what Penske and, and Holman and company has to go through, it's quite daunting, I would assume. Yeah. Well, that was the thing that Mark Miles actually said in an interview. He didn't say the specific price, but he said anything that's sold over $90 million right. in the United States has to get the federal government involved uh, to approve the transaction. So that, that lets you know kind of what we're playing with here. I'm talking to David Land on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And David, I, I thought I thought it was interesting a point that you brought up on on your on your video with Nika Hulkenberg maybe being in play for the Ed Carpenter Racing ride too. Is you know he didn't want to race at the ovals, but in this case, if you if he if he would actually replace uh, Piggott, you know then that might be a situation where that could actually work out then because you wouldn't have to race the ovals. Yes. Um, well, it looks like he might be the guy who replaces Ed Jones at uh, Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, so that, that means he would be driving the 20 car, and, and Ed right. would be driving it on the ovals. Uh, the question that I would have would be, would Nico even consider taking the Indy 500 ride, which we traditionally see uh, from Ed Carpenter where they enter a third car? Um, obviously, we know his concerns with, with oval track racing. Uh, I think he's commented that it's not – worth the risk and whatnot 
with the aero screen now, you're seeing some drivers who are kind of reconsidering oval tracks like Max Chilton now suddenly saying, well, I'm going to run the Indy 500 now. So, you know, it, that's a, that's something that I kind of was just kind of thinking aloud. Uh, could some of these extra safety measures that have been brought in to IndyCar this year maybe change the mind of some of the drivers who previously said, well, you know, that maybe that's a little too crazy for me. Yeah, and then uh, with, with – the seats that are out there, there's not too many seats out there, but there's AJ Foyt Racing uh, is is pretty fluid at this point. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I still think that Hinchcliffe is going to end up in a, in a third Ray Hall Letterman car. Is that something you think is still viable at this point? I think it's viable, but I think so many reports have come out that Ray Hall needs a very significant, I think it's like something like 6 or $7 million to make that happen. And James doesn't have six or seven million. Uh, I think it was Marshall Pruitt that said he has about half of that, or has access to about half of that. Um, so that makes it difficult. Uh, and again, we're getting we're at the end of the fiscal year now. It's very tough to sell a major sponsorship for next year this late in the game that would that would cover that base. I I, I still believe that the most likely scenario is James Hinchcliffe uh, being an Indy five hundred only guy. Uh, in a, I guess it would be the, it would be a sixth Andretti car, right? I can't even. There's so many Andretti cars now, but I right. think that's, um, I think that's the most likely. So it's unfortunate, but but you know when when this all came out, you know and you just kind of look at it, and you say, okay, if he doesn't have enough money, you know, three million dollars is almost certainly enough to do a really good Indy 500 ride, and you would think with his history with Andretti Autosport, I mean, he drove for the team. At Bathurst one at the Bathurst one thousand just a couple of weeks ago, uh, you, you know you would think that maybe that would be a place that he could go, and obviously that's a solid ride and a, a place where you could theoretically get some uh, some big attention. Yeah, I, we had uh, Connor Daly up here for a dinner uh, last month, and I remember chatting with him. I said, you know, it just seems like Carling would seem to be a perfect place for you, but because uh, he does have some uh, U.S. Air Force money and, and some other sponsorship, he's got a little bit, kind of like a lot of these drivers that have some backing, but not enough to do the whole thing. And then he reminded me that well, the Air Force wants an American team. So then I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking, well, you know what? It just it seemed it doesn't appear he burned any bridges, but it just seems like he could end up with that team in Houston, uh, whether it's uh, Indy 500 only or or as a second car. It'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see if he ends up in the in that four or 14 car again you think hinchcliffe could end up at Floyd? no no i meant uh connor daly sorry oh connor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well i i don't think connor burned the bridge there but but i do think that i i always get the impression that connor kind of feels like he got a pretty big raw deal from that team uh he's been very politically correct and not saying right. it but i i've always felt that because he got fired over the phone when he was doing the Survivor, if I can remember correctly. So, I mean, it wasn't exactly a, a super clean uh, parting of ways. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it, I think Connor Daly will drive anything. So, you know, if you said, yeah, Connor Daly could end up at Foyt, I would believe you. Um, and if it's his only option, I mean, he'd be a fool not to take it. But, uh, yeah, uh, I think if he had a choice, he'd probably want to go to Carlin. Right, yeah, and it's certainly, yeah, you know, Carlin is a certain, and they've been very, very quiet. So, I mean, there there is some uh, uh, rides out there, 
and there's some money out there and there's some drivers out there, I think the next couple months is going to be pretty, pretty interesting. Is there anything that you're kind of keying up on that, 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 that you think could work out? Well, it's tough because, you know, like you said, there's rides, there's drivers, and there's money, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of combinations of things that are, you know, there's a lot of square pegs and round holes, so to speak. Uh, there's a lot of people that are looking, but not a lot of situations that really line up and you go, okay, yes, that would work. You know, that I can see that driver going there, especially now because some of the bigger pieces have kind of felt, fallen into place, like Pato Award and and uh, and um, Oliver Askew. Mm-hmm. I mean, those were two guys that you would have thought, hey, you know, they could really fit in in pretty much any team, and they both ended up at the same team. Um, I think just the big story is uh, the car count. It looks like there's going to be a lot more cars on the grid this year than there were last year for the full season. And I think that's very exciting. I mean, there's a prospect that, you know, 25, 26, 27 cars at St. Pete, and that's definitely an indicator of a healthy series one way or another. It certainly is, and I like that. 26 is a much, much easier number, and then when you go to Indianapolis, it's much easier going from 26 to 33 and then actually having some cars to be able to bump. I tell you what, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more with David Land from YouTube coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Joining us once again on the Great Middle West Bank Hotline, it is David Land. When you get a chance, make sure you check out his YouTube channel, David Land. That's L-E-N-D. Good stuff there. Talking everything racing, NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, you name it. He talks about it. Even does some gaming reviews and movie reviews, in which we'll be talking about the uh, uh, Ford versus Ferrari uh, review here in just a second. Though Before that, though, we have uh, NASCAR practice at Homestead occurring, and uh, Kevin Harvick had a little uh, situation there, didn't he, Jeff? Yeah, he uh, got a little loose and had to completely get out of the gas. He was lucky not to slam that outside wall. So we're still early in happy hour, but uh, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin, those are your top three quick, and uh, Kevin Harvick is ninth on the uh, speed chart. So all four in the top nine, uh, Harvick, way back from the uh, from the top three and uh david thanks again uh for joining the show we certainly appreciate your time and uh talking about i want to switch gears uh or stay with nascar uh daniel suarez was that a surprise for you with him uh leaving the 41 car there were so i mean there were so many rumors for so long that he wasn't going to stay there i i can't say i was surprised especially with cole custer uh you know coming up and he's clearly favored by gene haas uh, you know, I, I wasn't super, super surprised, to be honest with you. It seems like Suarez is just kind of, unfortunately, he's kind of become the journeyman driver. He's going to show, he's going to, you know, get a ride for one or two years at one team, and then they'll move right. him on to somebody else. It certainly seems that way. It seems that way. And then, uh, am I, or could we we see the, the Bush brothers at Indianapolis again in the future? I think I think it's possibility. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what what stopped Kyle Busch, but but we know that he had a a ride lined up or uh, funding lined up to do it in 2017, and it didn't end up working out. Um, so he clearly has the desire to do it. Uh, it seems like every time they stick a mic in Kurt Busch's face about the the future of his career, he talks about the Indy 500 first. 
So I, I you know, I think they're both they both got it in their minds. Um, I would love to see it. Uh, I think you need mm-hmm. I think you need to have uh, stock car guys represented at the Indy 500. I mean, you've already got everybody else uh, represented in some form or another. Uh, and you know, it's the biggest race in the world. I, I think if you don't have a stock car guy, at least try to make the race. Uh, you know, it, it kind of hurts the event. To a yeah, certain extent. I, I agree. I think that uh, Kyle Busch is a lot more likely than Kurt just because of the way the NASCAR, uh, you know, playoffs and everything is set up. It's a lot easier and with the equipment and with the skills and all that, that Kyle Busch would have a win before the Indy 500 and lock himself into the playoffs where he would be able to do uh, the Indy. And then, you know, miss the driver's meeting for the Coke 600, starting to rear. And, you know, if he finishes bad that week, he finishes bad. But he's already locked into the playoffs where Kurt, Kurt Busch, you know, seemingly struggles every week to, you know, he's been semi-consistent. But, uh, you know, he's not battling for wins on a week-in, week-out basis. <laughs> Sorry, <a> Kurt. point. <laughs> No, no problem. The one thing I would say about Kurt, though, is that he's got the advantage of going to the same race shop where not only NASCAR uh, cars are being prepared, but but there's Indy cars being prepared as well. So, from that perspective, I think you can, if you're Kurt Busch, you can write into your contract, uh, yes, if I want to do the Indy 500, we're going to get it done. Uh, Kyle Busch, on the other hand, it's a little bit different because not only does he drive for Joe Gibbs, who doesn't have an Indy car team, but he drives for Toyota, and he's, you know, on the Toyota factory team. Let's be honest; that's what it is in NASCAR. Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, you know, is Toyota really going to want one of their poster child uh, or children in the United States in their in the United States racing to go uh, from driving a Toyota in NASCAR to a Honda in IndyCar or even a Chevy in IndyCar? That's something that I scratch my head about a little bit. That's something that would concern me about a potential Kyle Busch double. Well, yeah, and, 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 you know, people point to uh, Roger Penske and go, well, you know, he had a Ford, he's had a, you know, a Chevy, he's had, you know, Honda teams, Toyota teams and everything else. But, you know, Kyle Busch is not as diplomatic as Roger Penske. So, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see if he could be, you know, if he'd be able to pull that off. Uh, let's continue with Homestead. Who do you like uh, this this weekend at Homestead to win it all between the four? Well, I think it's going to be Toyota. And I think if you'd asked me before the start of this weekend, I think I would have told you either Martin Truex Jr. or Kyle Busch. But considering how yesterday went uh, with the truck series, I, I kind of am starting to really feel like Denny Hamlin is going to win the race and win the title. Uh, it feels, I And mean, he's not necessarily an underdog, but in this playoffs he has been. Uh, he's kind of been behind the eight ball, and he's kind of the guy who snuck in on the skin of his teeth at Phoenix. So I, I really do think that it's going to be Hamlin. I think, uh, I, you know, he has actually been one of the better drivers this year, uh, and it'll be at least deserving. I think some people might have a little bit different opinion about what Matt Crafton did yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, it does feel like an underdog weekend, and I guess if you're looking at that four, Hamlin's the underdog there uh Kinda. <laughs> right. Well, hard to call him an underdog when he has six wins already on the season. But yes, he did need to win last week to get himself in position uh today or you know, for tomorrow's race. So, you know, in, in, in that way I can consider him an underdog, but 
uh, if Hamlin does go on, whether he wins tomorrow's race or not, to win the title, there's no way in hell I would sit there and call him an undeserving champion like I did uh, Matt Crafton earlier in the show today. Yeah, yeah. When Well, I mean, like I said, you know, Denny has obviously proven himself this season. Matt Crafton uh, pretty much exposed uh, the playoff format. <laughs> yes, he did. He certainly did. And, yeah. you know, and I've said it a thousand times, you know, I – there's obviously I'm a Kevin Harvick fan. I root for him nonstop. But uh, besides that, I root for chaos. And I hope <laughs> that the Matt Craft and Truck Series championship creates chaos in the front offices at NASCAR and that they scramble and figure out a way to, to work this out and get it right because it's not right the way it is now. Well, here's the problem that I kind of came to the conclusion of last night. Yes, it's it's hilarious that it happened. Yes, it completely exposes everything that many of us have said about the playoffs for years. The problem is it happened at 1130 at night during a truck race on FS1. Right. If this had happened in the Cup Series, if Ryan Newman in 2014 had somehow managed to finish second in Homestead and win the championship with Larson winning the race or whatever, uh, yes, things would have changed. I, I just have a feeling that the truck series doesn't have the clout and or the fan base at this point uh, to make any sort of a change. They can kind of sweep this under the rug if they really need to, uh, and and the majority of NASCAR fans won't even know or care. Yeah, I certainly, uh, certainly agree with that. Uh, let, let's move over to uh, uh, movies, I guess, or films. And uh, you, you saw the, the movie uh, Ford versus Ferrari. What did you think? So I think that, Virtually everybody will uh, love this movie. Um, don't go into it thinking it's the second coming of Steve McQueen's Le Mans. It's right. not. From a historical perspective, and I know many of your listeners probably are, you know, hardcore, hardcore racing fans. Uh, just try to turn that part of your brain off. It's very difficult because there's a point when there's a car that's supposed to be a Mark IV Ford that comes on the screen and it's very clearly not, you just have to just kind of accept that they're not going to get the details absolutely accurate. What they do get right are the portrayals of Ken Miles and Carol Shelby, particularly Matt Damon, who I was very skeptical of being cast as Carol Shelby. I was like, how can this guy from Boston play a, a Texan uh, race car driver? It w he deserves an Oscar in my opinion. He did an absolutely fantastic job. If you watch any interview of Carroll Shelby, uh, he just nails the mannerisms, nails how he talks, uh, nails just pretty much everything. So from that perspective, I think you should go and see it uh, just for those performances of Christian Bale and Matt Damon because they really do epitomize uh, Ken Miles and Carroll Shelby, and it's a really cool to see their relationship kind of work within the, the, the very strict confines of the Ford Motor Company in, in the 1960s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I certainly, Jeff. You. What did you want? Well, I walked in this morning, and uh, one of the other producers here, uh, Sam, uh, he's been on the show uh, a few times, and uh, he said that he went and saw it, and he said he was he was thoroughly entertained. He doesn't know about uh, all the history of uh, of racing and all that, so he wouldn't know about the historical inaccuracies and stuff like that. But said it was a very entertaining two hours and uh, recommends it to everybody and said it should win a ton of awards. I would agree with that. 
I would agree with that. I think, I mean, it, the performances are just very good. I mean, it's just really, really, it's really charming and fun to see uh, these characters kind of exist in this world. And I will say as well, the set design is amazing. The fact that they rebuilt the, you know, 1960s Lamont pits out in the desert somewhere in Arizona or wherever they filmed it is just uh, is just incredible. I would highly recommend going out and finding the behind-the-scenes footage that they shot because they really did recreate the front straightaway at Lamont, and it's just as, as cool. And they did a proper Lamont start where they had the actors run across and get the cars and fire them up and go. It's it's pretty incredible what they were what they did to create this movie. So you think Matt Damon's uh... Um, the performance that he did in this movie, do you put it uh, on par as his cameo performance in Team America? <laughs> I don't know if it quite got there, but, uh, yeah, it's close. It's close. I'll give it that. Close. Well, I think I think people have to go into this when they see it. Have to re- they, they have to remember that it is a movie. It is not a documentary. Right. Because if you want to see a good documentary, uh, you know, Nate Adams and Adam Carolla did a really good movie on this same subject. Go see that on, on Netflix or, or Amazon Prime or wherever. Go watch that if you want to get, you know, the real nuts and bolts and really get into it. That's fine. But if you want to just watch a film, a movie, then, yeah, I think you should go see this. David, any final thoughts? Uh, wow. I mean, what, how, how did this off season become such a, uh, a newsworthy thing? I mean, it, it felt like for a couple of, you know, towards when everything started winding down, you kind of think, well, boy, we're in for a nice long winter. Uh, no, not even close. Uh, you know, when you have pretty much the biggest story in the history of, of, you know, the last 50 years break with Roger Penske buying Mm -hmm. the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you kind of know you're in for something exciting and special. And uh, the next few months, just in terms of racing in general, uh, it's going to be fun to see where everything starts to head. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's like uh, it's like we're living in a brand new era. David, do you think? And obviously, I know that you can't sit on uh, uh, IndyCar. You know, couldn't sit on on the Roger Penske news. But do you think, as far as some of these other um, other moves, and same with NASCAR and everything that? It would be smarter for them to try to leak this stuff out a couple weeks after the season concludes, uh, you know, especially with NASCAR as the final race, where to, so they can get more like the NBA or football, where it's a year-round uh, news cycle and they keep their name uh, front and center in, in the breaking news uh, cycle for the day. Well, I think you'll see that more with the Roger Penske era for sure. I think with with this transaction, uh, I mean, they said it in the press conference a couple times. I mean, this this is a, a private sale between two private companies, and so I think they it was in their best interest to keep it as quiet as possible um, until they uh, they had the you know the pen on paper, so to speak. Um, but to your point, I think that. Roger Penske understands what the series has been lacking. I mean, I even said it in one of my videos is that, um, you know, he may play humble and talk about how he, you know, he's surprised that he ever got this offer. But I guarantee you that Roger Penske went to bed at night, uh, you know, well before this was ever a possibility and was thinking, if I ran the IndyCar series in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, 
what would I be doing differently? And we're about to see his dreams become reality one way or another. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. Really, really looking forward to it and really appreciate you coming on the show, David. Thanks a lot. No problem. It's always fun to talk to you, Steve. And uh, good luck uh, this weekend to all the NASCAR drivers. I hope they put on a good show because uh, I'll be watching and I'll be talking about it. Fantastic. And how, how does one uh, take a look at your uh, channel? Check me out on YouTube, David Land, D-A-V-I-D-L-A-N-D. Uh, we'll be talking the NASCAR finale, and uh, we'll uh, uh, show you some footage of my uh, uh, racing school as well. Uh, if you uh, were interested in that at all from the top of the show, uh, I'll have the, the story of that. It wasn't all sunshine and, and, and puppy dogs, uh, so there'll, there'll be some drama to, uh, to watch. Not as dramatic as Ford versus Ferrari, but uh, <laughs> it'll be worth watching, I think. All right, very good. Thanks, thank you, David, and appreciate you joining the show. We'll chat. We'll talk to you again coming up uh, on the final inspection show. We're going to talk to uh, Eddie Lapine. Actually, we'll take a quick break here. We'll do some uh, house cleaning, I guess, and then we'll talk to Eddie Lapine on the final inspection show. to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda and we got practice uh, occurring now at Homestead and uh, it is let's see here who do we got here for a 10 lap average uh oh Danny Hamlin yeah well look at this 10 lap average currently right now with about uh, what do we got 10 minutes 12 minutes to go yeah well, now yeah about 12 minutes yeah we got this is your your top three: Hamlin, Bush, Truex. Yep. How about that? And Harvick's in sixth. And of course, Harvick had that little moment as you as you mentioned before. So, uh yeah, it's getting interesting, isn't it? It sure is. It uh, sure Kyle is. Larson at ninth could have been. Yeah, our buddy Matt DiBurrito in seventeenth. Paul Menard is last race, 20. You think Paul Menard is ever going to race again? Yes. Okay. He'll fill in, right? Yeah, he will fill in. I hope so. I uh, I enjoy Paul Menard. Uh, you know, it's good to have uh, Wisconsin blood out there in, uh, in the top series in NASCAR. I think, you know, the good thing for him is that anytime he gets that itch, all he's got to do is call daddy. <laughs> and, uh, hey, dad, kind of bored this Sunday. You want to throw me in a car? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let me cut you a check, son. Yeah, it must be nice. Tell me about it. Trust funds and rich daddies. and Yes, yeah. please. Yeah, get in my plane. Where do you want to go today? It's cold out. Let's go somewhere warm. And to all you listeners out there, anybody who's filthy, filthy rich, I can be adopted. It's so, still at your age. Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. Why not? Well, I'd like to thank Dennis Michelson for coming on the show and, of course, David Land. Appreciate it. We're going to have Eddie Lapine coming up here in the next segment. We're going to talk uh, Daytona. Yeah. Eddie What's going on at Daytona? Daytona? Uh, actually, running, uh, we're running historic races, and the Trans Am Series also ran there. So, interesting stuff. We'll get the latest from Eddie and get his prediction, race, race prediction, and we'll do our official race predictions, even though I think we're both on the Denny Hamlin uh, bandwagon right now, aren't we? I've got, I would bet you a hundred 
$100,000 right now. $100,000. That when you ask Eddie Lapine his race prediction for tomorrow, who the champion is going to be, he says Kevin Harvick. Yes. So. Okay. I will bet Chipotle. How many stores do you own? No, I'll oh, bet you lunch. Oh, just lunch. Because my wife just wants lunch. Chipotle afterward. <laughs> I'll bet you Chipotle that he says, uh, well, we're we're both agreement. We're yeah. both in agreement, so how can we bet? Yeah, we can. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, if, I fully okay. expect him to say Harvick. Like uh, Dennis Michelson, he took he took Kevin Harvick. Yes, he did. So, um, but, you know, I, I think Dennis, he, he gave a, a good, when he was given his Kevin Harvick pick, he did give good analysis because – you know, Denny Hamlin's got the momentum with the win last week, six wins on the season. He's had a phenomenal year. Um, it To me, it seems like he's just kind of due. And then you've got Kevin Harvick, who's the only non-Gibbs driver in the Final Four. He's been, you know, the most consistent driver week in, week out, uh, to me, out of anybody uh, in the series. So he's always a good shot to, and even if he doesn't win, but just to finish higher than the uh, than the the three Gibbs cars, you've got Kyle Busch, who is due. He hasn't won, and you know it seems like forever, even though it hasn't really been that long. But uh, for for him, it's been a long time. But you know, Kyle Busch again, he's one of those, you know, he can win or he can finish in fortieth. So it uh, it kind of depends, and I think if Kyle Busch gets off to a slow start, I'm not sure, you know, you would think that um, – I just don't have the faith that he could sit there and ride it out and work on his car stop after stop after stop. I think he's going to get impatient, and he might oops himself into a mistake. Am I wrong there? No. Yeah, totally I think – if he gets off to a, if he gets off to a slow start and you know uh, say he drop you know he starts I think third uh, tomorrow, so say he sits there and 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 drops to to twelfth uh, within the first twenty five laps, I think you could just put a fork in him and then he's done. But uh, and then you got Martin Truex who led the series and wins, so this is one a phenomenal final four. Yeah, I mean you know we joke about I shouldn't say joke, but I did want Kyle Larson in there. Does he? See how he can mix things up, but it is a good group that they have in there. Uh, coming up next, uh, uh, shortly after the show, conveniently scheduled, is, of course, is the Xfinity Series. We joke about it's going to be the the uh, Christopher Bell benefit, but it's actually Tyler Reddick on the pole. Uh, Tyler Reddick and Cole, uh, Cole Custer will be on the front row. Uh, Christopher Bell and, uh, qualified seventh with uh, Justin Allgaier, the other fourth, uh, battling for the championship, will start 16th. Also, his worst starting position of the year. Not where you want to start if you're Justin Allgaier, especially at Miami Homestead. No, it's not, but I don't think too many people gave Justin Allgaier too much of a shot. I didn't think he was going to get in. I thought it was going to be Chase Briscoe myself. Oh, I did too. I, 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 There's no way that I thought that Allgaier was getting into the Final Four. But um, just to be different, I'm not going to pick Christopher Bell uh, this time, so... I'm going to go a different way. And it's interesting. Uh, Nate Ryan is reporting 
that Daniel Suarez was disappointed and extremely surprised about losing his ride at Stewart House Racing after his business team had apparently delivered several millions in sponsorship that the team wanted. Uh, a lot of people worked very hard on this team trying to put everything together, and unfortunately it wasn't enough, Suarez said Friday before cup practice at Homestead. We needed a few months. We had to find a big uh, big amount of money to keep my ride for next year. My group of people and friends and a lot of people at Stewart House Racing went to work, and we actually did a pretty good job. We pretty much got the goal, but unfortunately part of the money wasn't on the table at this point. It was going to come a few months later, and it wasn't enough. Just a little unfortunate. Well, that is the big issue, isn't it? Yeah, I, I have funding, but, well, it, it, yeah, is it in the account? No. Well, then you don't have funding. Because how right. many times are we, especially with racing, I mean, we've actually had situations where they've they've agreed. We've had press conferences, and it's the old, well, it's a, let's say, a $1 million uh, sponsorship. Well, and they, they deliver 250000 and then they're going to say, well, and then we'll deliver two more payments of uh, – or three more payments of uh, two hundred fifty thousand. Well, they just do the one payment. It's actually just a two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then they get right. some sponsorship. And then next thing you know, the fenders or the side pods, whatever, are blank. Well, that's know? every month when uh, when the mortgage comes due. Man, it would be nice if I could delay this a week, uh, but you can't. Yeah. So you got to sit there and cut the check when it's due. He didn't have the money. I, you know, I feel bad for for Suarez. But that's the that's the situation now at in in racing. You know, it used to be just you know Formula One and and some sports car racing. You had to pay, you know pay to play. Then got into the IndyCar series and then you know NASCAR. You saw say, oh no, we don't do that here. Well, guess what? They it's do everywhere. It now. Oh yeah, absolutely. It really is. It's a sad state of affairs. You would hope that uh, you know that eventually. The, these these companies come back to uh, to auto racing, the targets and uh, lows and mm. you know all the ones that that have have disappeared very quickly and uh, you hope they come back and and auto racing gets it together and gets flush with cash again where uh, talent is what you need to survive instead of a fat bank account but uh, as of now that's not the case. Let's take a quick break. We'll talk to Eddie Lapine coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Strayway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Eddie Lapine, who is at Daytona International Speedway for the historic sports car racing uh, big big shingding uh, there this year, along, along with the, the Trans Am Series. This is a pretty neat deal, uh, uh, Eddie. Uh, t- t- tell us about it, please. Well, it's awesome. I mean, how can it be bad? You're in Daytona. I mean, the weather's a little uh, under the weather, so to speak. But, uh, I mean, this is the history of the sport running here this weekend. And it's an awesome field of cars and drivers. And they have a, a pretty cool breakdown. I mean, they have, uh, geez, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven groups. Group A, of course, is uh, 62 to 72 Group B is 72 to 82, and then Group C, 83 to 93. And then Group D is, of course, 94 to 2003. And then your Group uh, E 
of course, those are your uh, premier a ALMS and Le Mans prototypes. And then uh, in the Group F and then Group G, uh, mix up of all sorts, I guess, the the the, uh, the potpourri, if you want to call it, of, of cars. But and not only historic race cars at Daytona, but a lot of historic race drivers, too, isn't there? Oh, I mean, Derek Bell's here, Yoken Maas. We got, I mean, Johnny O'Connell was on the grid. I posted some pictures on Facebook. Uh, I'm sitting here watching Marco Warner look at his data from uh, being on the track. They just, they just finished their session. Uh, incredible. I mean, Marco Warner won this race, the Daytona 24-hour race in 1995 in the Kremer Porsche. And here he is back again. He's only raced here once before. So it's kind of, uh, and it's been 10 years since he's raced here in the American Le Mans series. Uh, uh, Three-time Le Mans winner and champion, and he's racing vintage uh, Formula One cars in Europe uh, in his spare time, I should say. And, of course, Jochen Maas, who was a teammate to James Hunt, a team McLaren uh, F1 driver in the 1970s, uh, raced Formula One into the early 80s, and then uh, uh, raced, you know, prototypes and that, a very, very illustrious career. Kind of was off the radar for a while, but he's he's been all over, uh, you know, especially with the vintage racing scene over the last five years or so. Oh, he's he's totally... See, what, what started Jochen about five years ago was that he came here and he and did Amelia Island and he was honored there. And they haven't been able to send him back. <laughs> he actually, his, his wife, it's a family affair. His, his daughter goes to school in the U.S. And uh, they just love coming here at this time. I mean, unfortunately, some poor weather has, moved in as usual for the a race at daytona but uh it, it's just uh to have him here you know he is a true legend the, the movie rush he was part of the staff of doing that movie it did some of the driving and gave some of the pointers through the movie so mm -hmm. to see guys like that uh that really created this uh you know i mean the the vision that has what racing has come to now in sports car racing. So, yeah, it's, it's great. Derek Bell and Justin Bell driving uh, the Lowenbrow, uh, the car we're very familiar with, sure. me and you. I mean, that's what got us hooked in racing in the 80s. So it, it, it is amazing to see all of this happening this weekend in Daytona. And you you posted a pretty cool uh, uh, vehicle. I guess you, it was a... Porsche Transporter, Burgundy Porsche Transporter. Is there is there a story behind that? What, what, what do you know about that? Well, I mean, it's just that that vehicle's been at so many events over the years, and it's an original bus, and just just have that here. That's you know, pretty I mean, neat. The you know Porsche is just so into the history of the sport to have these people. You know, I mean, vintage people are a different type of breed of people with racing and they really care about the history of the sport and to bring these cars alive it, it costs a lot of money i mean and to see them keep it going and i think that's what you're going to see vintage racing i mean the Peugeot diesel uh is racing here too 
as well. Yeah, and, and they're 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 coming back in twenty twenty two, I think, with a hypercar. Were you surprised by that news? Uh shocked. Definitely shocked. And uh I think it's you know, it's good, but I just think I think all sports car racing should get on the same page and right. work together to make the series good. And I think when you see different manufacturers jumping into different uh series it just it hurts overall the unity of the sport and it just you know i mean hopefully they can figure it out before uh you know it's too late yeah it's true and then about a couple hours to the south of you nascar is running their finale at homestead and uh, of course it's, it's come down to four uh we have uh kevin harvick denny hamlin kyle bush and martin truex jr who do you like out of that uh for well i mean i'm i'm rooting for uh martin truex i think i think he's uh you know i mean i'd love to see him win but you know all these those four guys have been running good in the last couple months and it could be anybody's game i think the weather's going to play a factor down there and i think it's going to be who who has the best setup and they're being limited in testing right now they canceled qualifying and they're not getting the track time. So I think when the sun sets, then you're going to see, because I think all four of those guys are going to run up front, and I think it's going to go right down to the wire like it usually does. So if you're going to the window, who are you putting your money on? I'm going to go with Truex. Wow. Wow. Very impressive. Yeah. I like that. All right. Yeah. Oh, you got me scratching my beard. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Making me think, because I know – uh, it was uh, NASCAR.com this week or NASCAR radio. They were talking earlier about, you know, how everything's been kind of, you, you talk to the team, they keep, they keep gearing everything they mention and they gear, everything's been geared towards uh homestead. So, and they've been working, 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 working and make sure everything is set up for homestead. So be interesting to see Eddie. We certainly well, appreciate I, you taking time out with us. Well, thanks for having me on and I appreciate it. I look forward to, you know, right around the corner of the 24 race yeah and how does that and it's not a true 24 race real quickly you only have about a minute left uh how how does that tell tell the listeners how that works out in vintage race in a 24-hour race well there's the divisions like you explained in the beginning there's certain groups and then those groups what they do is they run 40 minutes and they rotate through the groups that way for the 24 hours and that's how the race is determined, and then they they get their times and how how far they go in that distance, and that's how it equates to be a winner. Sounds like a lot of fun. Enjoy yourself down there, Eddie, and we'll we'll talk to you. We got only got a few more shows to go this year, but we'll get you back on the show. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Okay, Eddie Lapayan on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. When we and uh, we'll talk to you next week on the final. I'm inspection. taking Denny Hamlin. Oh, we didn't do us, Denny Hamlin. I'm going to switch. I'm switching to Martin Truex Jr. now. Okay. I was going to take Hamlin. I'll go Martin Truex Jr. And you're going Christopher Bell for today? Yep. I'm taking Cole Custer. All right. Thank you for listening to the Final Inspection Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.